Welcome to the Iowa Innovation Podcast, powered by NuboCo. This is a show where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Anthony Betters. And I'm Rob Merritt. And today's guest, uh, we're really, really excited to have the superintendent of the Cedar Rapids Community School District, Dr. Tawana Grover, joining us. And uh, yeah, Anthony, I think there's a bunch of topics we can hit on. We're really lucky because Dr. Grover just last night was speaking to the school board and kind of presented her plan for how to address a number of issues that the district has and with very innovative ideas, which is why she's perfect to come on today. So I'm super excited to dive in about how Dr. Grover became the first African-American female superintendent for the school district. And also we get to dive in on her three-year strategic plan to increase graduation rates. And we get to focus on how her mission statement, every learner, future ready, is going to be impactful for her strategic plan for the 2023-2024 school district. So with that, let's innovate, Iowa. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Grovert. I appreciate you being able to, to be on this podcast. As you know, we're going to be diving in and talking about uh, Dr. Grovert, how she is the superintendent, well, actually the first African-American female superintendent of the community, um, uh, Cedar Rapids Community School District. And so could you just kind of talk about yourself, Dr. Grovert, and um, explain the process and the steps of you getting your role? Let's just put it this way. Why Iowa? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do think it's important to connect who I am with the mission in front of me as a superintendent for Cedar Rapids Community School District. First of all, thank you all so much for having me here. And um, I'm excited to be a part of the conversation around innovation. And, you know, I guess maybe one thing I just want to talk about just right out of the gate is this accent, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's from my roots of down south in Alabama. So I mean, <laughs> I'm from I'm from the south, but I'm from Texas. Mm. And when I moved here, people were like, "I don't hear that Texas draw." Well, you from deep south because you got that deep in you. Yes, I am <laughs> from deep south, and I spent 13 years in Texas, believe it or not, working in education. But they still couldn't take that Alabama uh, <laughs> accent from me. So, so here I am. But I bring that up too because the question does often come up. You know, why Iowa? Why the Midwest? And it just kind of goes back to to my roots and how I feel like my family raised me. I'm a first generation college student. And the first one in my family to to go to college and just really understanding the impact of that. But I, I think it's the core values of how my parents raised me that allows me to to persevere. And so when I think about, you know, my dad always saying no matter where you are, it's going to always be about community. It's going to always be about how you serve and the connections that you make and the impact that you leave. And those are some of the same core values so that no matter where I've been, whether it was Alabama, Texas, Nebraska, here, now Iowa, um, that same core value, the foundation that they put in me is the same thing that's driving me right now. And so when the opportunity for Iowa presented itself, I, I'll be honest with you, I was headed back down south. Mm. I was kind of already had the U-Haul packed. Uh, actually, I really wasn't uh, necessarily looking, but I got a phone call 
And someone, they said to me, you really need to check out Cedar Rapids. We feel like this is for you. So you said, I said, I'll take a look at it. And they kind of convinced me to have a conversation with the board. And I was just really struck by their commitment to all students, their commitment to understanding that we need to understand the different situations that our students might face and how they might need support, no matter their income level, no matter their zip code, no matter the section of the community that they lived in. And when I had leadership that was surrounding me and they were still committed to students in that way, I really felt like it it was a calling that this district was calling me that it chose me versus me. And so I yielded myself uh, in regards to my own personal plans to do what I feel like I've done uh, for all of my career. And that is to lead a purpose driven life. And that's what brings me to Iowa. Wow. For those of you, of course, listening, you can't see Dr. Grover, but she has some swag to her. First off, her fingernails are mashing. her shoes right now i'm just in awe but i'm more in awe just because cedar rapids and just iowa as a whole uh, we don't see a lot of superintendents like yourself and so whenever you focus on of course talk about your dad and your family that is breaking in a sense somewhat of a generational curse to be able to uh, be more educated and to be able to impact the community that you're in and so can you just kind of just tell me a testament like what is like what does education mean to you and how do you plan on being that image for young girls or boys that might look up to you yeah absolutely you know I think it's one thing that when students when we're matriculating through our education system. And I always, I guess I was portrayed as a a pretty decent student. Uh, uh, Not that I didn't make my way to the principal office sometimes, but I guess that's kind of boldness, assertiveness probably still shows up in me today. Mm. Uh, They kind of, kind of land me in some interesting uh, situations at time. Um, But what I realized when I graduated and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, um, it really struck me. And at that juncture, I had two of my closest friends and I still love them dearly here today. But they both were going on to uh, college. But what I recognized the difference was at least one of their parents had also gone to college where mine had not. Although, we again, we had the same upbringing. We spent, I spent many nights in their homes, et cetera. But it just kind of shows you what exposure and understanding, like you talk about those generational uh, barriers, but really some of the trajectory. I went on to work in the local factory the same way that where my mom had worked for many, many years. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I never went hungry nor anything like that. But I was fortunate in a sense that I had some people that worked alongside me that, you know, they said, we see something more in you. And it kind of encouraged me. I actually walked off of that job on my lunch break and I went and enrolled my own self in college. Um, And I was so determined at that point that I never wanted a student to ever graduate and not know their options. And I believe that that is the power of education is really that it allows students to to make their own choices. There's no right or wrong way if you want to go to work, if you want to go to trade, if you want to go into college. And now we're just seeing so many ways, and I know we're going to talk about that today, that students are tapping into their passions, but they should be the one to decide, not just the fact of their last name or what anyone else has done in their family. They should have enough education, them enough exposure that it will dictate where they want to make the next steps in their life. And so that's what keeps me going. And you hear me talk about 
that often that we define our success by the success of our students when they graduate. It's great that they have these experiences while they're with us, but we want them to go on and have the quality of life that they deserve so that their children, their children's children, that they can have the same opportunity because it's embedded within their families, within their communities. Whoa, Rob. I don't uh, know about you, bro, but I'm feeling the energy and the passion in the room right now. I'm just now. sitting here thinking, um, <laughs> our school district uh, made a really good hire here. Yeah, uh, this is good. I, you know, we were talking before we started that uh, you know Anthony's a dad. I am. Uh, I just became a dad. My son's going to be going into the school district in a couple more years, and so I'm paying a lot more attention to what's happening. Uh, you know, just kind of trying to get myself ready for, hey, you know, what challenges are there? What is my son going to face once he goes in? And uh, and I know that, so, so I was reading about just last night, uh, you spoke to the school board about some of the challenges that the school district's currently facing and some of the plans that you have to address those. And, uh, and I, I got to say, um, there are some big hurdles that we have to get past, but mm. you seem like you've got some really good ideas for how to do that. Um, you know, one of the things that was addressed was that uh, that graduation rates right now are are down or, or enro- it's enrollment rates like we want to try and bring more students into into the district. And uh, and so when you spoke last night, you had a three year plan for how to increase graduation rates. Can you talk just a little bit about not just not just kind of what that plan involves, but how you got there? Mm-hmm. And, do, and do you call it your master plan? Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. So, yes, uh, what you're referring to is actually our strategic plan. And, you know, I like the fact that you said there were some great ideas in there. Uh, but I want to make sure that I point to like what you were just uh, alluding to, like, how did we come up with the plan? Mm. And those great ideas, they actually came, you know, from our students, from our staff members, from our community members that given the opportunity to arrive here a little early, it gave me an opportunity to get out and talk with people. So I spent extensive time just asking people about their aspirations. You know, what are the top priorities? You know, what does success look like for us three years from now? And so what you're seeing is a combination of all of the feedback. And I definitely want to give kudos to to the students. I spent hours with different students. They were answering those same questions. And so when you what you see in the plan is really what came forth from the community and us being able to codify it in a way that we can actualize their vision and have a plan for execution going forward. I'm excited about it because it does it does shed some light on some areas of where their strength uh, within our organization, but moreover, uh, where there is opportunity to elevate our pathways, passions, and plans for our students. That's what we say in our mission statement, but I believe that this gives us the blueprint, and that's what we're trying to build with our students. You know, first and foremost, we want to be able to mobilize our community. We're having a lot of conversations about our facilities and how our facilities, how they're equipped to uh, allow students to be future ready. We can have that, but how are our facilities aligned with that? Are they creating those collaborative 
uh, spaces? Are they safe for students? Do they have the programming that's necessary where students, you know, one of the students, they said to me, we talk a lot about what's possible, but we never get a chance to experience it. Mm. What they're saying is that I want those hands-on experiences. I want to be able to to tinker with the robotics or with the industry level um, equipment. I want to be able to go into a hospital and test it out. You know, what does a lab look like? What does it look like to take care of a patient or to be in the emergency room? They want those real world experiences. And you'll see a lot of that, um, you know, coming to life within the plan. And that's how our facilities can be a part of that going forward and where we really want to be able to articulate that in a way that the community uh, can come out and support it. The other part of it is energizing our staff. There's a lot of us, we got into education for very specific reasons. And that's what I say, the same passion that was driving me 27 years ago, that's the same passion that's driving me today. That's what gets me up out of the bed, just thinking about who our students are going to become. You know, when I when I go out and I see, you know, students uh, just after they've graduated and if they're not reaching their highest potential, I turn around and I want, I'm like, is that one of our students? And what could we have done differently to support that student? And so it's understanding that and bringing back that excitement because uh, we've gone through quite a bit. Education is taking, you know, a toll in regards to some of the weight that our staff members are having to carry, uh, how sometimes we need to care for students, um, you know, from their home life to their school life and beyond. And we want to make sure that they're feeling that same energy right here in Cedar Rapids Community School District, that we see the value in them. We see how much they are committed to our students. We see how much they give and just understanding what is life is like for them on the front lines, even though we're at the district office and we're having to make a lot of decisions. I don't ever want to forget what it uh, feels like to be in the building, to be that fifth grade teacher I was, or to be the principal of that school building, you know, to walk hand in hand, you know, with the custodian to understand what they're going through. Um, so I think in many ways we want to just go back and just, um, just, praise them to support them um, in ways that is visible to them that they have our support and at the end of the day um, we want to be able to make sure that all of this is moving us in a way that is having an impact for our students wow and so firstly listen to those that you are impacting um, of course like you said listening to the students and the teachers and secondly actually following through with your mission and your purpose. And you said those those three those three P's. Can you repeat that again? Yes. Um, plans, pathways, and passions, right? Mm. So however or whichever order you want to uh, put them in. But that's, I mean, that's what, that's what we say. And I think a lot of time, and you've probably spent time within your organization. I think that's so critical. We spend so much time trying to wordsmith and figure out what is our mission statement? What is our vision? You know, and that really is why, you know, why are we here and what do we hope to see? And so the why we're here, it is about our students' plans, you know, their pathways and their passions. And that's where that innovation really comes in. At. And I think those are some of the challenges as we think about. And that's why it's, it's incredibly important that we stay connected to you know business leaders people that are out you know somewhat in the world today and experiencing and allowing you to be a part of the conversations that can help shape the type of educational experiences that we need to be providing for our students because sometimes it's just a matter of is it just about you know math science and reading 
Yes, all of that is important. But at the same time, I do believe that it needs to be infused and not be segmented in a way that a student that they enjoy what they're doing, that their eyes light up. You know, last year was the first day of school for my my grandson. He was going to kindergarten. They, so they sent me his first day of school picture. It's the first time ever I cried. I, I almost tear up now if I think about it. But what was so um compelling for me as an educator and as a superintendent is that when I looked in his eyes, his eyes were so bright. They, they were so happy. And I said, it's our responsibility to keep the light on in his eyes, not just in kindergarten, but all the way through 12th grade. And, it, and sometimes I watch how it begins to dim over time the longer our students are with us. And that's where the call to action is, is that kids are eager. They're excited. But we have to be able to tap into their passions and allow them to find a way that school becomes important, interesting to them uh, where they are feeling a level of success that keeps them coming back wanting more. So what do you think you need, like what tools do you need in order to make that happen, in order to make those students' eyes keep lighting up? I mean, if, if they're going to have the kinds of opportunities to follow their passions or, or get real world experience, things like that, what does the community have to do in order to support that goal? Yeah, and I believe the secret sauce, it actually is going to be around our our partners. And that's one of the things that excited me about Cedar Rapids. And I hope that you all are able to see this too. But I've been contacted by so many different uh, community partners. I've spent a lot of time with them. There, there are a huge number of community partners here. And they some of them are already involved in just uh, masterful ways. Others, they want to get involved. And I'm hoping that the strategic plan will be able to give us some direction around those resources and where we need to be. And just it's going to take multiple avenues. We have about 15,000 students within our organization. So that there's a lot of room for a lot of people to be involved and knowing that there are opportunities for us to have schools without walls where our community, where they can come into our schools and they can expose our students and give come alongside the teacher and to create those uh, very interesting um, and exciting, relevant experiences for our students. But also we have students that are going out that their job shadowing internships. Uh, very excited about City View being downtown, you know, just right in the heart. Like they are right in the mix of yeah. what is going on. And they're working side by side, you know, with real world business leaders. And we're talking about problems that they're thinking about how it's going to impact their bottom line and the impact they're trying to have in whatever industry it is. And so those are the type of innovative experiences that we want to be experiencing expanded um, and that we want to make sure that is happening uh, at all levels of our organization. Nice. And then when, whenever you dive in and talk about, of course, innovative, but also the collaborative sense of bringing the community in to help try to figure out uh, the root of the issue, I can think about one business in particular. He was actually on our show, Anthony Arrington. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, of course, you know, talking about diversity and the inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you who don't know Anthony Arrington, he was one of our guests. He has a uh, recruiting firm here that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Dr. Grover, you, can you explain kind of how that team over there at Top Ranked kind of helped curate um, your mission? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they were, the work was already underway when I arrived. Um, and, you know, I was grateful for the help it, because that means that there was someone else that was already out there 
A third point, um, if you would, in regards to creating a safe space, I think that's important. Create a safe space where people can share uh, where some of the ch- where the, some of the challenges are and what they need in order to be able to best serve our students. I always try to connect it back to that. And you know, it was interesting to me that. They came with this whole report. Um, and Anthony, if you're listening, I know you're kind of smirking at this point. And I was, I was a little nervous about it. Uh, but basically, I was hearing some of the same things. And really, I saw it more as a cry for help that if there were areas where people felt like we were not um, as robust as we should be when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion, they were asking for the help. They were asking for for strategies, for processes, um, again, for places to be vulnerable, uh, places to, you know, understand how do I take that first step, not be ridiculed if I don't get something just right, because it, it can be very tricky. And so I think when our hearts are in the right places, we have people like Top Rank that are coming along uh, with some very specific strategies uh, to help us in that light and really understanding that uh, diversity is synonymous with success. Mm. Diversity is synonymous with success. Seeing it as an asset uh, to what we're trying to accomplish within our organization and understanding the multifaceted. Sometimes people only want to think about race when we're talking about diversity, but we're not, I mean, it is so, uh, so big, so much bigger than that. And it just encompasses so many different areas. And I am proud of our staff that they are acknowledging that that is an area and I am encouraged by our community coming along. I'm encouraged by our board of education. I think I am a symbol of that. And so when you talk about being a role model and so, yes, um, I I feel that weight uh, every day in regards to uh, so many students that come up to me um, and it, it doesn't really even matter uh, about their background because, or the color of their skin, because it's so interesting that, the students they're understanding. You know, students have so much voice here. Mm. They're understanding what it looks like to be able to advocate in these spaces, right? And so I see it as a hope, a sign of hope, and a sign of promise to our students um, that yes, that diversity can elevate our organization. And I'm just simply proud to be a part of it. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, you know we have our Delta V Code School at Nuboco, and one of the things that has always been exciting about you know. We, we're, we're teaching people programming, which is historically dominated by uh, like younger white males or programmers. And one, of the, and, and one of the members of our team was talking about how when you get programmers from all different walks of life, that's better for everybody because when a bunch of programmers sit here going, gosh, what app do we need to make or what program we need to come up with if it's a bunch of if it's a bunch of white guys in their 30s all they're going to come up with is apps that white guys in their 30s want but if you've got programmers who can represent all these other different points of view they're going to come in saying hey we need an app that does this right. or this and all of a sudden you've got a much better selection of apps that way more people are going to want to use. And so that elevates everybody. It creates more innovation. It creates uh, like like better choices on the market. So yeah, it absolutely echoes your point that if you have more diversity, it's just going to make 
it, it's just going to improve innovation. It's going to improve everything. So, uh, so I completely a hundred percent see where you're going with that. I also wanted to get back to a point you made earlier. You were talking about, you also wanted to do more to improve morale on staff. And, uh, what are some of in some of your in some of your conversations with educators right now? What are they reporting as some of the biggest challenges that they're having as teachers in this day and age? And and what can you do to help them? You know, I actually asked that question, and and I'd be interested uh, to hear your take on this since you're somewhat in a different type of workspace. But it was interesting to hear some of the comments that kind of led back to. This idea of clarity of work, right? So understanding um, exactly what is expected, clear communication, having information in a timely manner, knowing that there's there there's a plan of action that's in front of them that's clear, and, and having leadership to to be engaged and involved with that, that that would alleviate some stress. Sometimes I don't know if we understand how that can have people stressed out. Um, just from who they are um, as an educator and what's expected of them today. I think some of the other challenges that we're facing is just understanding what our students need from us in today's time. I think we're seeing more and more of mental health issues that are on the rise. I was on the call today with the University of Iowa uh, working through uh, some ideas and some of the, the research that they're finding there and more and more students that they need access uh, to therapy and counseling, um, just um, outlets to be able to process through. And I think we have to kind of understand how the world dynamic has changed and what students need from us. And so if you've been in education for any amount of time, you know, some of the ways that maybe we have approached situations in the past, I just don't know if they would be applicable to all students right now. So I, I really do think that teachers uh, want to be equipped. They want to understand because they have such a, a heart uh, for our students. But that's important for our retooling. So they talked a lot about professional development. Um, that, that So that gives them confidence. So when you have more confidence, right, when we're confident in our work, we show up, right? We show up blinging, right? Hey, I hear you. <laughs> You I know, so you have a, a level of confidence that goes along with your knowledge and your skill sets. And I think that that's what we're going to continue to try to understand some of those very specific needs. I do believe that our staff members, they also want to partner along with parents. You can see that front and center when we say mobilize the community, that we want our families uh, to feel like they can come back into the schools, that they have a place, that they have a role and, you know, in some ownership within their students learning as well. And so I'm excited. Number one, that I think when once it's clearly articulated, I always say I've never seen a problem that we can't solve together mm -hmm. if we know what it is. Right. If we have a lot of folks working together, um, we'll be able to overcome the barriers that are in front of us. Hey, I'm just going to say this, Dr. Grover for president. Uh, but hey, <laughs> that, that that is a teacher. So that might be in the future. Who knows? <laughs> but whenever you kind of talk about that um, and, of course, attracting the teachers, like how can we keep that retention of the teachers, but also keep that retention of the students, as you kind of saw, and of course I know, Rob, you touched on this already, about um, just increasing that student pool, and that kind of comes along with the city when you say of the attractiveness um, and kind of what they make of Cedar Rapids. So have you partnered with the city any to kind of collaborate and um, kind of understand their mindset to make your mission and the goal uh, for the, the school district um, on point? 
so I'm, I'm excited about the future for collaboration with the city. Again, you know, everyone does their research, their homework when you're moving to a city. And I was excited to be able to see about, you know, the n- different industries that are coming here. And just um, you'd be shocked to find like some of the innovative ideas that are happening and how the city is growing and some of the attention that they're uh, paying to uh, our city and just making sure that it is a city of choice. And so I'm I'm looking forward to that collaboration. Still early days here Mm -hmm. for me, but we've already reached out. I think last week we had a joint meeting with the city and um, that was a good step forward in my opinion, because I think it showed where if we have more collaboration, um, we could probably move at a pace where we could probably see progress on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that uh, being committed to that process of collaboration. So I'm excited about it. And I think, you know, when you say the city, I would say the city at large um, has come along with the school district in many different ways. I think about what they talked about in regards to providing transportation for our students that's free for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's huge because there's some of our students, they may not have been to certain parts of the town, you know, just right across the river, et cetera. And so it's, it's nice to know that they're thinking about that. I also think that I'm excited to hear more about housing because I know housing, when we can get stable housing for our families, that's going to help with their attendance, um, with them coming to school, uh, feeling more sure about themselves as well. And so, and Mainly when it comes to the career and technical education side of things, the CTE, the college readiness pieces, knowing that our students can graduate uh, with more college credit, that they can graduate with industry level certifications where they can go straight to work. Wouldn't you like to hire, you know, a senior that's coming straight out of high school and they've already had two years, you know, of college type of experiences when they walk through your door, that's less money that the companies have to spend, you know, training them and getting them ready. So those type of partnerships, we, again, we are connecting with people at large and I just welcome folks to be a part of the conversation, be a part of, the many ask uh, that will be coming forward in regards to different committees. And I would say people are approaching me too. Um, so I, I feel confident. I feel assured that there are many areas to collaborate. And uh, again, I was at different celebrations, even over the weekend of people that are pouring into our students through summer programs and after school programs. And so, you know, it's here in Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just say that it's here in Cedar Rapids. Um, aligning towards a common vision. I think people are open to that. And I think the more time we spend together, the more opportunities that will just uh, present themselves where we can continue to flourish. Wow. Thank you. So you've got um, a mission statement of every learner future ready. And I'm, that's a challenge. Obviously in education, you don't know what the careers of the future will be. Um, you know, I think about the fact that I went to, you know, when I was in high school, I was super excited to be on the school paper. Mm-hmm. I, you know, because at that time it was like, oh, working for a newspaper, man, that's going to be, you know, and there were careers that didn't in, in, in media that didn't even exist yet when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I see people now who are getting to take video production classes in high school that, you know, were not available when I was there because mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing. And so I, how do you... How do you figure out how to train, or I shouldn't say train, I don't know if that's the right word. How do you get students prepared for or to think about the careers of the future 
when those careers don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to talk more about that uh, paper experience uh, as we kind of move through this. First of all, I want to say, give homage a little bit to Dr. Bush, who I believe that was her vision statement of every learner future ready. And I always think that says a lot about a leader when your message, your message is that they can stick around because that was a good one <laughs> and one that I am proud to help to um, to live on uh, here within our school district. And when we're thinking about preparing them to be future ready, you're right. Uh, the experiences, the opportunities, the job market per se, it changes. But what we're hoping to do is to give students a plethora of experiences that are transferable. And so much of what I hear from entities, we talk a lot about collaboration. Are you able to collaborate? And I always and I and I think about that uh, even with sometimes within our organization. Do you have creativity? Do you have perseverance? You know, are you able to think outside the box? Do you have the ability to have resilience? Are you not afraid to fail? You know, those types of things like that. So I believe that the experiences that we give our students, uh, are you savvy with technology? I was thinking I should come over here and enroll in you all's course. You know, I got to be a good leader uh, for the students too. So come over here and learn how to code a little bit. Um, (laughs) You are welcome anytime in our coding class. Yes, absolutely. I look forward to that. And so I believe that our students, that they're learning different skill sets through these experiences that while the job market might change, you know, I think about myself, even though I've had to move to different parts of the country, right, there are still skill sets about me that's going to be able to maneuver in and out. And so that's what we're hoping to cultivate with our students and this idea of innovation. And I would say even that entrepreneurial spirit, too, um, that allows them to be able to, to mobilize and capitalize on their ideas in a way that's marketable, right, that actually brings in, you know, a level of income or impact, whichever one that they are after, uh, with the experiences that they had within our district. So so when, whenever you were just saying that, it was just something that just rang in my, uh, rang in my head there. When I think about Nuboco, I think about education, entrepreneurship, and innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I know with Nuboco, like we're in the economic development space. We're also somewhat in the K-12 um, space as well. And so, of course, be able to listen to you, but also be able to have that voice from Nuboco, we have a guy named David Tominski. Ah, I, know I, I know that guy. I know that He sits <laughs> on the school board, and I know that he is somebody that um, that's your key person that you are able to listen to um, and kind of collaborate in that sense. So, so could you kind of speak on how often um, does the school board meet and what kind of impact do you get from the school board and also the community that comes in um, and is able to have their own opinions and things that they, that they might want to get off their chest? Yeah, and that's the reason why I think, you know, I, I love our school board. I mean, they they just kind of hooked me in. And, and the reason being is because they really are kind of like all different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love you guys. They are kind of all different um, in a way. They all bring their own unique perspectives to the table. Right. And so, again, it just kind of goes back to the earlier conversation that we were having. And I believe that they they push us in different ways. A lot of times it's pushing us with their questions, um, a lot of research. And they're always thinking about the community. And so you take someone, you know, like you mentioned, President Tominski. I mean, he's right here in the heart of things, right? So he's always thinking about it from a city perspective 
and how that ties into to business and industry and any type of experiences that he's had that connects back to us. Uh, he's able to share that. And, you know, we kind of tease a little bit because in the innovative space, you're ready to go. Mm. Right. You got this idea, you pitch it. And sometimes school districts, they don't move as fast. Right. And so but I think we take from that. Um, he gives us that ability to consider it all. Right. Consider um, you know, the risk and be calculated in it, but don't be afraid to go somewhere you've never been mm. if it's going to benefit you. And I think that resonates um, with the board. They're, they're very calculated. They want to know the historical, you know, references and understand the community context. But and that I think that's what helps to generate this kind of spirit of innovation. I think Cedar Rapids Community School District is kind of known for um, innovation, but they're not afraid to try something new because we know that we're constantly seeking, you know, new and improved outcomes for our students. Yes. And so you hear that, kids. Go ahead and try something new. Mm-hmm. But actually, just just go for it. Go, go for, for it. it. Go my, for my, it. My, uh, my parents' philosophy when I was in school, uh, when I went to high school, they said, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. we're not going to tell you what, but you have to do mm-hmm. one extracurricular activity. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I grumbled about it when I was a freshman. I, was, I don't want to I just want to <laughs> play video games and stuff. But because they did that, you know, I mean, I think my freshman year I was in choir and I didn't really want to be there, but, you know, had to do something. And then I learned about cross country mm-hmm. and I started running cross country in high school. And then I got involved on the school paper and then I started doing plays and I had to quit track so I could do plays. And I wound up having way more activities than I had time to do. So because I had that push, you know, go find something that you like, uh, you know, I resisted it at first, but then all of a sudden... Uh, and that was that was the Cedar Rapids Community School District, by the way. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I am not from down south like you guys. <laughs> I did grow up here, and so I I am a product of the Cedar Rapids uh, School District, and I had great experiences. But my experience totally reflects what you're talking about. That so many of the things I still do to this day were started for me as a student, mm-hmm. as a uh, as as a high school student, and the opportunities that I got. Uh, for real world engagement and uh, mm-hmm. getting to see all these different things I could potentially do. And so I've always been really, really grateful for that. And uh, and I've always been really supportive of educators for that reason, because they made such a huge impact on me. Um, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Grover, you were talking before about working hard to keep staff members energized, which made me wonder, what is it that keeps you energized? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it just goes back to the students. I, it, For me, a lot of it is recognizing that it's a matter of life and death in a lot of situations uh, for our students. It's just going to – education is going to dictate so much, back to your earlier question. And so really what keeps me energized is the people I'm surrounded with. That That's a lot of, of that. And so having a great, solid team that we come in – And like I said, we have a challenge that's in front of us and people are working, trying to figure it out. And I've been so impressed with that. We've had a lot of change within our organization. People have taken on new jobs. I mean, like they woke up one day, they was doing this. The next day they're doing this because the organization is calling for it. Mm. Um, And and even in the short time that I've been here, the work that we've had to lift um, and thinking about, you know, a bond uh, potentially going forward, thinking about a strategic plan, you know, finishing up the school, you're graduating students, all of these types of things we've had to deal with, you know, budget reductions, 
And I'm like, man, have I been here 90 days yet, right? <laughs> like, so like this is a whole five years worth of work. Yeah. So, but what keeps me energized is that I always feel like I'm surrounded by people that are ready to go. Like they are ready to help figure it out. And the same thing, every time I meet a community person, they were like, let us know what you need. Let us know what you need. And that fuels me. You know, people, uh, sometimes they say I'm a workaholic, you know, those types of things like that. But I, I feel like it, it just gives me like energy in that way. And I think what's going to energize all of us really going forward is to be able to see some success. I believe in that success breeds success. I believe in, I believe in the fact that we should um, iron sharpens iron Mm. and that there's a point of pride. um, You know, even if we don't quite reach something that the effort that you put behind it and knowing that you gave it your all, even if we have to, you know, go a slightly different direction, but knowing that we're still moving forward as long as we're still moving forward, I always like to say, as long as there's breath in my body, you know, like there's still an opportunity uh, for us to do some good uh, with the time, you know, and the place that we have here in front of us. Wow, that is amazing. Um, but also, whenever you kind of dive in deep to kind of talk about iron sharp as iron, and also you kind of talk about like what energizes you, right? And I think about just what energizes me, of course, with just just your passion. And so whenever you kind of think about, okay, hey, yeah, like what is your passion? It's something that you wake up and that you feel like you're not even really working. This is something that is within you that some may say this is God-given that I wake up and this is something that I want to do. And that's what people, and I've I've heard you speak before, and I feel as though that you exude that. Um, But also I know there's another guy that – that works with you that more so kind of keeps you sane in that <laughs> sense. And he's your chief of staff. I had yeah. the pleasure of meeting him, mm-hmm. Ryan. Ryan. I, I don't want to butcher his last name, <laughs> um, but Ryan. So could you kind of talk about um, his role? And because, of course, you know, he's kind of behind the scenes, making sure that that you are doing OK, making sure that you have everything lined up. And I know that he's the, sec- the secretary on the school board, mm-hmm. um, keeping those notes, making sure everything is solidified. Um, mm-hmm. So can you talk about not just him, but also your other team members um, that are backing you and helping you with this process? Yeah, uh, that would be one Ryan Reedstrom. There we go. Yes, that's my guy. (laughs) And uh, I'm excited. And we do have a little bit of a unique uh, organizational structure that we've built here for that very reason. You know, our uh, the sign at our building, it says educational leadership and support center. That's what we want to be. We want to lead and we want to support like that's that's simple. Right. And so we've tried to organize ourselves in that way. And so we do have a structure where we're kind of moving into this area zone where we have area one, area two and area three that kind of feeds into each of our high schools. And we've kind of reversed the model instead of more of a top down hierarchy or whatever, more of a service delivery model where we're pushing resources out, where we're wanting to be uh, in the schools close to the action um, and to the work. And so, yes, it it takes all of them uh, working alongside me and checking on me to make sure, like, have you eaten today? Mm. Or, you know, what is your schedule like? Uh, Those types of things like that in that downtime. And so, and and I do uh, recognize that because I need to stay healthy uh, as well. And so I try to balance that. I, I go pretty hard during the week. I do like to try to take my weekends if possible. You know, we have a lot of activities and things like that. But I, I try to make sure that I factor in that time because 
we have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. And so that's important to me. Um, I am a person that appreciates uh, meditation. Um, I would like to be able to appreciate the gym. I haven't quite figured that oh. out yet. Uh, but uh, yes, I think you're a gym person. Did I hear you're a gym person? Uh, who you? Yeah. Who you hear that uh, from? Well, uh, well, maybe I can see it just a uh, little bit. I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, you'll notice that she did not ask me if oh, I'm a gym no, person. Bro. Rob, I, I was, was, I was just turning to the left. I was just turning to the left. No. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so we all need to have life goals, right? So yes. just, just let you know. Right? So while I'm working hard, I do have some life goals in, in that regard, too. So, no. And um, but there are some nice parks and things that we have here in the city. So I get out, I try to walk a little bit. That helps um, to clear my mind and so forth. And so, yes. And we want to encourage that. We want to encourage it among our staff um, as well as our students, too, because that kind of all plays back into this idea of health and wellness. Um, and you'll see some of that built within um, our infrastructure as well. Nice. And then um, as you kind of talk about just the health and wellness, I have to make this plug because I, I feel like I've been plugging a lot of different people. <laughs> but. But uh, my homegirl, Sarah Van Cleve, she has a yoga studio and she actually started doing yoga more so kind of full time. Mm -hmm. And what she kind of saw, kind of what you see, too, uh, within the space is that, hey, there's not a lot of people uh, that are diverse and that might feel comfortable be able to come to these classes. And so what she did, she created a class on Sundays. Mm. Um on the yeah. weekends. Yeah. Yep. I feel like uh, I need to get that contact yes. information. And the name of it um, is Yoga for People of Color. Mm. Um, and so it's a very intriguing class. And so if that's something that you're interested in, yes, Sarah, I did drop you on the podcast today. <laughs> you yes, can be able to go to that. Yes. Can go over. That's what I say. See how, see how community pull together? There we go. See how we pull together. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Gerber, do you have a particular like a, a person in particular that you would point to as a hero of yours? Oh, wow. Either someone growing up or someone who's still a hero to you today? Hmm. Man, that's a tough question. Um, because I, I think it's the, in some ways, it's sort of like the hero of the season or the hero. I, like I encounter so many people. I encounter so many people that have influenced my life. Um, you know, when I we talked about the fact that I'm from Alabama and um, I went to Texas. I went to Texas on vacation. <laughs> I wasn't looking for a job per se, you know, and uh, just having conversations with parents or whatever. And uh, they were like, you should work for us. And so like the next day or whatever, I drove to the school district and I ran into these two ladies. And so they were like, uh, I was actually kind of lost and I kind of told them my background or whatever. It was like, we think we have a job for you. They literally got in their car, drove me over to the school or whatever. And my life changed right there. Wow. Like I pretty much was hired on the spot, you know, and I was there for 13 years. I just used that one as one little glimpse. And so I think that um, there are a lot of unsung heroes and heroes show up in our lives every day. Like they're just right there ready to help usher you in into your next season. Um, and so I, I see many of them, but I would have to say my ultimate heroes, they're, they're, they're my parents, uh, my mom and my dad, both, uh, you know, my mom, she would probably say, Oh, I'm a, uh, you know, a dad's girl, you know, that kind of thing like that. Um, but both of them, because even right now, you know, 47 years old, if I ever need a lift, if I'm ever wondering if I'm if I'm covered, protected or whatever, I know that 
I can look to my parents. I can look to my mom and my dad. And no matter where I've been, they've always encouraged me. Um, even though we came from humble um, beginnings, you would never know it. Um, they've always supported me in trying to achieve. They still want every newspaper clipping about me. <laughs> so y'all make sure y'all keep it good, Gazette. Um, <laughs> they still want every newspaper clipping, you know, all of those, you know, ribbons, whatever. Uh, they they want to know uh, what's happening with me even right now. And so it's because... I wouldn't be who I am today uh, without their support in so many um, intimate and personal ways. Yes. I, I think the same thing about my parents and I, I talk about them often on this podcast. I mean, more so to talk about my dad um, and how he was inspirational to me, but also when you talk about education, my mom, she was a teacher. Um, so she got to work in the educational scene and I remember she worked at one of the, the rougher schools in Waco, Texas. Mm. Um, but that was a plan of hers. Um, she did that because she wanted to be that beacon in that school to help out that community. Um, and she knew that she couldn't reach everybody, but she knew that she wanted to reach some that would gravitate to her and saw her as a role model. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so what you do, um, is amazing, um, and it also speaks volumes to what you're going to do and also it speaks volumes to your strategic plan and how you plan on um, focusing and attacking the goal at hand. Um, mm -hmm. And also when you talk about the strategic plan, which this just popped in my head, is that I know that you want to um, kind of help out some of these schools that are kind of rough and beat up just from over time in the sense of building and renovating these buildings. Mm -hmm. um, could you kind of talk more in detail about that goal and how you kind of saw those schools mm -hmm. and say, hey, it's time to, uh, to have a makeover here? Well, and along those same lines, kind of adding to that question, uh, you will sometimes hear parents say, well, you know, when I was in school, this was enough. I don't mm -hmm. see why we need to build this <laughs> <True>. other stuff <laughs> for kids today. So mm -hmm. so when you're addressing that, that mm -hmm. question, how do you also deal with parents who feel like we don't need to do more than what was done mm -hmm. for them when they mm -hmm. were in school? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I just want to say kudos to the Board of Education and administration that already kind of had some of this work um, underway and being able to see, you know, where the facilities, you could easily say where the facilities, they need some some upgrades. But the way I like to think about it is it's just not about a facility, but it's what this facility is doing. And if it's not doing that, then it's not really meeting that purpose. One of the things we want our facilities to be able to do is give students access and opportunities. So whether that's ADA compliant, uh, whether that means that um, our athletics and our activities, uh, facilities that they're not up to par where students can compete. You know, we have some very talented kids. They deserve to be able to compete just like any other uh, neighboring district. Um, and so that means that if the facility is not up to par, that means students don't have access and they don't have opportunities, right? If we're saying we're about equity and we're about every learner being future ready, we also want to make sure that our schools, that they're safe and that they're secure and that they're conducive to learning. When we're still running air-conditioned units that are running louder than the teacher's voice, mm. 
that means that our students that there is not conducive for learning right if we have places where there might be security issues uh, where uh, maybe there are some things that are outdated or could be in better shape that means that we want to create a, a atmosphere that's safe for our students and then also with our facilities you know one of our big ticket items is college and career ready that means that I need to work alongside our current partners and to infuse some of that within our school so students don't have the barriers of transportation or schedules or those types of things that get in the way by having um, access to that within their facilities. And so that's what our facilities, our facilities are designed in a way so that it can support this whole vision of every learner being future ready. Um, and so at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, it's not fair that some of our students that they're having to play basketball on a stage. Mm. You know, I mean, that's that's just unfortunate. And so in that sense, it's not enough. You know, it's, it's not enough for for our students. Um, there are some of our cafeterias there. The, the size of them, it forces us to have six or seven lunch rotations, which kind of takes time to be able to do that, which that has an impact on the schedule and students where if we could accommodate more students that's less time that they're out of the classroom so one thing kind of impacts the other and so while we know that this is a, a commitment I think the one thing that while people might have questions about one thing or the other where we unify on this idea of what our students deserve and so an investment within our school facilities is an investment within our students within our communities within our city um, and that's what I'm excited about I believe that we're going to be able to build something create something renovate um, in some ways and I think the district has been very thoughtful about how to do that and I'm proud to have the comprehensive plan which is our comprehensive strategic plan I'm sorry our comprehensive facilities master plan 2037 that by 2037 now we're giving people something to look forward to for 2037 we'll be able to say that all of our buildings that are within our inventory at that time they will either be new or renovated it's been 23 years since our school district has gone out for a bond wow I think it's time. I think it's time. I think our students deserve it. I think our community deserve it. Um, and together we can get this done. So for members of the public who want to know more about the plan before they, you know, before they weigh in on the bond, how do they do that? Where can they see what some of the details of what you want to do? Absolutely. They can go to our website, Cedar Rapids Community School District website, definitely. Um, and Hey, if you have just a few minutes, uh, like last night's board meeting, that would have been July 31st, you can listen to the board discussion. I think the board discussion last night, we really got into some of the dilemmas to really get into some of the why behind the facilities master plan. And so that's available on our website. You can just click. There's a whole section that's dedicated to the bond. But I want to encourage you even more. Um, and, and I mean this from the depths of my heart. If you're listening to this podcast and you're interested and you want to know firsthand from me, uh, from the Board of Education about what this facilities master plan is all about, invite me to your space. Get two or three of your friends, three or four, and I will meet you there. I will come where you are. You can come to our place. I would love to talk to you about it, to be able to give you some details, because I think it's one thing 
to read about it and get little snippets here and there. We're very grateful for our media being able to show up and to help cover this for us. Um, but also it gives me an opportunity to meet you as well and to be able to share with you. So so gather a few friends, um, coffee, whatever uh, floats your boat. And um, we'd love to come out and to continue the conversation around the facilities master plan that we're looking uh, to take to the voters here in November. Well, Dr. Grover, we invited you into our space, and it was one of the best yeah. decisions we have made this yes, year. Thank you so was. much for joining us. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I don't know about you, Anthony, but I feel like we could go for another hour if we didn't have like a time limit. Most definitely. I mean, you make the conversation uh, feel so comfortable, and I can definitely feel your passion. Um, and I am super excited to see what the years to come um, for that strategic plan um, and just the vision and the innovative things that are there that are going to be happening in this space so i do appreciate you and love the swag and everything that you came with dr grover well thank you both for having me and uh stay engaged with us and hold me accountable i love to come back at some point once the the plan is in motion and we have some progress underway and i just want to say a huge thank you uh, to the cedar rapids community school district uh, our city as well as the state of iowa uh, i'm proud to be here and i'm just happy to to lock arms and to help be a part of the future future success that i know that we're going to see together hey can't say it any better thank you Thanks so much to our guest, Dr. Tawana Grover, for coming on the show. You can learn more about the Cedar Rapids Community School District at crschools.us. Yes, Rob. And if you love this show, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. This podcast is produced and distributed by Upload Media Group in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, go to uploadmediagroup.com. Finally, we would love it if you could consider a donation to Nuboco. Your contributions to our nonprofit help us to continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, please visit nubo.co slash donate. Anthony, we are at the end of our season, 15 episodes. Yes, it is crazy. I feel like it went by so fast. It did. It did. This was your first season as like a full-time co-host. How did it feel? It felt great. Um... I don't know. It felt like I always wanted to be behind a mic growing up, and this is my time to actually be behind a mic and speak about the community and also just some great innovative stuff that's happening in Iowa area. Well, the stories that you and Jessica have gotten to tell this season have been fantastic. I'm sorry Jessica's not here today. Uh, I got to step in for her one more time, but uh, if she were here, I'm sure that she would also share that thought that this has just been a fantastic season. Some really great folks have joined us in the studio, and uh, I and when I've gotten to be here, I've had a wonderful time, and I can't begin to tell you how much fun I've had working with you. No, I appreciate it, and I mean, every time, oh, the majority of the time when you came on, of course, you were saying, hey, I'm back. Back. You're a part of the team, bro. So you're here, and I appreciate you for um, getting this platform together and making sure that everything runs well. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, we've this is episode 40, so that's wow. 40 stories of innovation that are going on in the state of Iowa. And the crazy thing is, I feel like we've just scratched the surface. There's so many more people we could talk to. It's so many more tales we could tell, and uh, and that's what's one of the great things about being here in Iowa. And uh, it's just a thrill to be able to keep spotlighting folks on this podcast. And so 
Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see you on season four. And until then, thank you so much for being with us. Huge yes, thanks thank to Upload Media Group for having been a fantastic partner with us through this entire journey. And to Logan, who is back there behind our boards right now. And uh, and everybody else who helped us out. Uh, Craig was uh, on one of our previous episodes. And there's just been a lot of folks who helped to put this together. And it just means a lot to have all of them on this team. And we just can't say enough uh, other than thank you. And and thank you to everybody who tunes in, uh, who, who downloads us. I just, I totally dated myself by saying tunes in, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, thank you to everybody who uh, makes it a point to listen to this show uh, and, and support us. It has really meant a lot. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next year. Yeah, thank you. Hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy.